Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 287 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Planning for the new season. It's a big part of my winter. It helps me focus, it gets everything in its place and it helps me remain optimistic for the new season. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me before i get started this week here's a word about the 2024 beekeeping show who sponsor in part this week's podcast after last year's huge success i'm very excited to let you know that tickets for the beekeeping show are now available online at www.thebeekeepingshow.co.uk Join us at the Premier Beekeeping Show on Saturday the 24th of February 2024 at Telford International Centre. A convenient central location, free parking and more than 50 exhibitors. We hope to see you there. Tickets at www.thebeekeepingshow.co.uk Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's discussion about the Asian Hornet, or as I'm now calling it, the yellow-legged Asian hornet. I was very grateful to Jackie for joining me on the podcast and following on from our chat, Jackie has also sent me some plans for making the traps that we talked about, something I intend trying out over the coming weeks as we head towards the new season. I would really like to have more guests on the podcast, so if anyone out there has someone in mind that they'd really like to hear on the podcast, please do drop me a message and I'll do my very best to get them booked in for a chat. Before we get into today's podcast proper, we really need to talk about the weather. It's all change again here as I look outside at blue skies and sunny weather. Temperatures currently into double figures, only just, but it's warmer than it has been for some time. And at last, it's dry. That said, it does look like more wet weather is heading our way next week, and that, along with the warmer weather, seems to have put paid to the chances of a white Christmas. Because, and I don't want to alarm anyone, but this time next week, Santa may well come calling. So I hope you've been good. It seems crazy that next weekend is Christmas Eve, and we'll soon be galloping into the new year and the start of a new beekeeping season not long after that. As usual, at this time of the year, I've seen reports of 2024 heat waves and months of dry weather. Perhaps it means we're in for a very early start to the year. Who knows? One thing is for certain, as soon as it does warm up, our colonies will look to take full advantage of the conditions, so we had better be ready, because they're not going to wait around for us to get our hives and frames ready for them. And that brings me on to one of my favourite topics, planning for the new season. I think the reasons I enjoy planning the new season is that it gives me direction in knowing where I want to be with my beekeeping for the new year. It also gives me a lot of enthusiasm when the weather is usually at its worst and the days are short and sometimes a little grey. The optimism for the new season generated by a bit of armchair planning is tremendous really and it does help me get through to the new season as I wait for those first few spring inspections. 
First up, though, the old back problem has been at it again. I've been popping pills and getting by, but there's a certain amount of realism that's required if I'm going to see out my days as a beekeeper. Hopefully, that's a long way off as yet, but the beekeeping will be cut short if I don't take more care of my back over the coming seasons. Because of this, my plans of world domination in the honey markets is going to have to be revised, and with it, the number of colonies that I manage. I just don't think I'm able to continue building colony numbers beyond the 80 to 120 number and still be able to take care of my disintegrating spine. 120 colonies is still a large enough number of colonies to keep me busy full time though, so I'm certainly not hanging up my smoker and hive tools. Never fear, it's likely that it will be on the lower side of my anticipated colony numbers than the higher though. Optimistically, it means more time to look after those colonies and more time for podcasts and videos. So actually, it's quite likely to be one of those win-win situations that we all hear about so often. With this in mind, I've just put up for sale more Langstroth kit. I've got way too many supers for my needs now, so I'm selling Langstroth supers complete with frames for £25 each if anyone's interested. I'll happily sell them in smaller batches for beekeepers who don't want hundreds, but the minimum quantity will be 10, and I'm happy to arrange delivery via a pallet company at cost. So if you're after some Langstroth kit, do get in touch. For what will likely be a New Year's gift rather than a Christmas present now. This week, I'm going to detail my late winter and spring plans. This, of course, is hugely variable in terms of when it happens, Hence, I'm calling it late winter and spring planning. I've started inspections in some colonies as early as the end of February in some years. Yet this year, that's 2023, we really didn't get started what I would call proper inspections until the middle of May. This year being the one time I could have really done with an early start. Ah, well, that's beekeeping, of course. The point here is, if you're planning for an early honey crop, such as oilseed rape, you'll want to get your bees prepared in good time. And for that, you'll want to have a look in the hive to see that all is progressing well. This is just where I find myself, wanting colonies to be building up in good time for the oilseed rape crop. So the work begins now. Oxalic acid treatments are underway. Lots of beekeepers will have them planned for that period between now and the new year, and that's perfect really. Almost immediately we get into the new year though, and I'm thinking growth. How do we achieve this growth for an early spring crop? Well, a lot of the time it's by sitting on our hands and not doing anything. Let me explain. What I need is large colonies for the nectar flow that comes with the oilseed rape crop, this is usually expected around April and into May. Timing the exact start of this spring crop can be tricky, as I just confirmed by searching through the large number of photographs that we've taken over the years. They act as a really useful diary of events and give exact dates in the information stored with each picture. I found fields of bright yellow fully opened oilseed rape on the 6th of April, 2019, the beginnings of open flowers on the 20th of March 2020, 
partially opened flowers on the 9th of April 2021 and fully opened flowers on the 7th of April 2022. But this year, we didn't really have full fields of forage until the end of April, with very few days warm enough for us to inspect at all until May. So looking with this timeline in mind, we really should be aiming for early April, I think. If you consider the development of worker brood and work backwards from the early part of April as that point in which you want adult foragers, you really end up needing to have a decent number of frames of brood in the colony by the early part of March, maybe no later than the second week of March. How am I going to achieve this? Well, we need healthy colonies that are well provisioned and well protected through the winter months, and then allowed to grow quickly into that danger period of the late winter and early spring, around the end of February and into the first week or two of March. Of course, we can't legislate against the prolonged cold winter in late February and beyond, but we can give our bees all they need to do what they need to do for the point at which spring does arrive and drives winter away and the warmer conditions return. One way in which we can try to help colonies build up a little quicker is by feeding pollen or pollen substitute during that late winter phase in late February. Now this is a tricky time for the bees and you really need to have an understanding of where your colonies are in terms of growth and size before attempting this encouragement phase in the winter. It can and does go horribly wrong if you don't keep feeding or the snow and ice continues into March and beyond into April. If you're new to beekeeping, I would recommend letting the bees dictate how things go. Keep them topped up with fondant if you feel they need it, but otherwise wait until the local spring flowering plants put in an appearance to give the bees the pollen boost that they're waiting for. Once you start down this route of feeding supplements in the late winter, of any kind really, you must keep going. Otherwise you run the risk of the colony starving to death because you've encouraged them to grow and then taken away the food source that they've used in order to grow. Just don't be that beekeeper. One of the recent observations I've made in the past few years is that in the early weeks of spring, it's just how well our honey pour colonies are compared to those that were in our commercial and national hives. Obviously, we've now made the switch to Langstroth only, and they're all of a poly construction, either fully or partially, in the case of the Technoset hives. The commercial and national hives were all wooden, and I was really interested to see an article about honeybees overwintering in wooden hives and the potential stress it causes them, in terms that the cluster that we beekeepers mostly assumed was a natural and normal state for the colony to be in when it turns really cold, is potentially a stress reaction to the cold that is thermally induced stress and something to be avoided. The article I'm referring to is one I'm sure a lot of you will have already read and digested, certainly more than I have. It's something of a Christmas study for me now, when I get a quiet afternoon after the grandchildren have gone home. 
The general gist of the study, from what I've seen so far, is that the cluster in a standard overwintering colony is a sign of stress and not something to be particularly happy about. Now that really is the very basic premise of the article, written by Derek Mitchell, who's studying for a doctorate at the School of Mechanical Engineering at the University of Leeds. Obviously, I've sent him an email to ask if he'd be willing to join me on my podcast to discuss this further, because the vast majority of beekeepers probably have their colonies in wooden hives and assume, perhaps incorrectly now, that the cluster is a normal state of affairs for our overwintering bees. The link to both the article and the actual paper in the podcast notes, so please do take a look at them if you're interested. Now, if you're going to have conversations about this with your fellow beekeepers at your association Christmas bash or New Year's AGM, be ready for quite a bit of pushback from a lot of beekeepers. Something new that questions our approach to beekeeping as wrong or misinformed is always going to see the self-defence barriers come up, so be warned. Personally, I've never insulated any of our wooden hives when we had them, never added anything under the roof to aid insulation, and never honestly really questioned if that was the right thing or not. My bad, perhaps. Those of you that listen to my podcasts and watch my videos know that I'm very ready to review what I do and change the way I take care of my bees, certainly if it improves my husbandry of them. And I have to say once more, our honeypore polyhives have always overwintered well and are always growing strongly compared to colonies in other types of hives. Maybe we should look to overwinter our colonies just in these honeypore hives, of course, the downside is that the green woodpeckers love our polyhives too, so we need to add additional protection around them and on top in the form of chicken wire to stop the blighters from knocking a hole through the top or sides of the boxes and roofs. I've got myself a little distracted from the discussion about planning for the new season. Sorry about that. Let's get back to it. I need strong colonies heading out of winter and into spring because my plan is, of course, to follow our spring plans from this year and double brood a lot of them. This is the first major event of the season and works in a couple of ways. Firstly, it gives the colony much needed extra space as they look to continue growing in size. This hopefully delays any inclination to swarm, although I have to say once more, the queens we were supplied with by Luke at Northumberland Honey have been very slow to throw up swarm cells, so fingers crossed it's the same situation in the new year. The other benefit with the double brood setup is we get a lot of newly drawn comb that can be used to replace tired old comb that is potentially well past its best before date. Oh, and finally, of course, with no early nectar going into the supers, we don't get that horrible granulation problem so hated by beekeepers with oilseed rape honey in their supers. The whole purpose of this winter planning stage is to focus my mind on what I want to get done and when I need to have the equipment ready to jump into action. It's really not so helpful to be a week or two late as this has a direct knock-on effect with the rest of the season. 
Finally, before we get to all of this sudden activity, we need to make sure we get our bees through to the new season in one piece. So next week and into the new year, I'll be hefting colonies to check the weight and I'll start to mix together some of the pollen we've collected over the summer into the fondant that we have ready to feed back to the bees. It goes without saying, although I'm saying it anyway, the pollen has to come from healthy colonies. We really don't want to start spreading any pests and diseases around in the apiaries. We've had enough to contend with without making it worse. Remember, once we start down the route of feeding supplementation, it has to continue. Lastly today, and this will be the last podcast before Christmas, I'll be taking a couple of weekends off between Christmas and the New Year to spend time with my grandchildren. So all that remains is for me to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I look forward to catching up with you once more as we begin a new year and a new season in 2024. As usual, don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Sweet.